How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Yay! Nicely done, Mark. And, and adapting. Adaptation is innovation, and you are adapting right now. Tom, can you introduce our incredible guest for tonight, please? Okay. As chief of police since 2012, he has worked to embody the ideals of Robert Peel and his promotion of community policing, making the town of Marshfield one of the safest in the country. You may also recognize him from his speaking role in the town. He has since appeared in several other movies and also serves as law enforcement technical advisor. Welcome back to the Dr. Joe Show, Chief Philip Tavares. Yay. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is so wonderful that you're here. And and just as I was, you know, thanking Mark, I want to thank you for what you are doing for Marshfield. I, I can't believe it's been since 2012. Yeah, time oh. is time is flying, that's for sure. That it sure is. But you've been with the force. Why do we call it a force? Can we like change that? I mean, just the word force. I call it the police department. I've, I've, uh, I've actually worked for the police department since 1988. So this month marks 33 uh, years with the town of Marshfield. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thank That's you for in- your service, chief. Yes. Thank, thank you, you for your service. That's way older than Tom is. <laughs> no, I'm not. Right? What are you talking about? So um, chief, um, People may not understand some of the history, and I'm curious how how did you decide um, to become a public servant and policeman? So uh, it basically started right around um, the age of uh, of 18. Um, I had a uh, tragic incident happen uh, in my life. Uh, my father, uh, who had uh, never been in trouble with the police ever before, uh, was. Um, arrested by the police, and, and during the arrest, uh, he stated uh, to us uh, what happened. Um, it resulted in uh, in him re- receiving a severe beating, um, and then he was uh, brought to the police station. And subsequently, I bailed him out. And the condition that I saw him in was was um, was absolutely awful. I, I had to carry him to the to the car, and uh, we brought him immediately to the emergency room. And uh, over the next two days, he made three trips to the emergency room. And um, on, the, on the fourth day from his release, uh, he died in uh, his parents' arms, my grandparents' arms, uh, just yes. after I had left the house. And uh, there was a, an autopsy that was done um, and uh, subsequently a, a major investigation that was done. And uh, I wasn't pleased with, with the results of it, uh, although the... Uh, Medical examiner stated that uh, he had he had multiple injuries all over uh, his his body, uh, most of it uh, in his abdominal area, and uh, that was uh, a significant um, con- you know cause to contributed to his death. So uh, 
fortunately here um, it's it's I can't say too too much more about it because it is actively under investigation thankfully due to the um, state police and the district attorney's office so I, I, I can't really get into details about it but at that time in my life that was November uh, the 18th of 1987 when he passed and um, at that time I, uh, I was uh, being an only child and uh, not having uh, much left to turn to um, I, I, I had quite a hatred for the police and um, it took a little while uh, before I was able to stop painting them all with the same broad brush uh, just be because of the actions of, of a few um, but I was angry I was emotional um, I wasn't thinking clearly I was sleep deprived and uh, eventually um, through the passage of time in thinking more clearly, I was able to, uh, to see what the real issue was here. And um, I decided that uh, I would, uh, you know, there was a, a path, the road came to a divide, you know, either left or the right. You know, the, the left side went to, uh, was, a, was a fool's road, and the right side was the wise man's road. And I decided to take the wise man's road because I, I knew my father wouldn't want me to, uh, to go down the route of a fool. And I decided to try to, uh, join a police department, climb the ranks as fast as I could, and uh, try to create positive change from within. And uh, I was fortunate to, um, in a matter of months after the loss of my father, uh, meet a man, uh, Bill Sullivan, who was the police chief at the time, and my predecessor, who was chief for 28 years here in Marshfield. And he became uh, my mentor and started me out as uh, the animal, assistant animal control officer in 1988. And then I went on to become uh, first assistant harbor master, then acting harbor master. Then I became a part-time police officer, a full-time police officer, a sergeant, a lieutenant, the captain. And then in, in 2012, I became the chief here in Marshfield. Wow, that's, that's an amazing story. And, and, and it could have been so different if you'd gone left. Yeah, it, it certainly could have. It would have uh, potentially left me uh, in prison or potentially even dead. Since 1987, um, that's pretty amazing amount of time. And I, I want to come back to it, but we've also, we have not been on the air for as long as 1987. Part of this is, as you say, it's 33 and a half years ago. Yes. And, and it's, it's being reopened. Is this part, do you think, of the trend that's happening in the United States regarding policing in general, that there's a, a greater willingness to, to look at, at, you know, the dark side of policing. Certainly. I, I think that, uh, you know, we just keep getting better in law enforcement. I know that some people might not agree with me, uh, but, but I, I believe that, you know, from the civil rights movement to where, we're, where we are now. Um, I believe that uh, technology is better. I believe that transparency is better. And, um, you know, people are more educated uh, in the field. And I, and I, I, I truly believe that uh, if something, you know, something that was done in the 80s, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, the 80s were the 80s. And uh, yeah. things are done a lot better now than they were then. So um, that being said, the DA's office has been real successful in some closed cases from the 80s. Uh, really recently, I give uh, Tim Cruz and his staff and the state police uh, that work out of his uh, out of his um, office, uh, 
kudos. They've done an outstanding job. And I have all the faith that if anything, um, if this has a second look and anything can be done, that, that they'll do it. And um, I'm cautiously optimistic, but, uh, you know, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, they, they have to rely on what was done back then because they're not able to do their own stuff now. It's not like they have a body that they can examine or some organs that they could look at. So, you know, Chief, it's, it's um, interesting that you say, you know, that was the 80s, right? Now we're in 2021. I'm sure in the 80s, they thought we're doing way better than they were doing in the 40s. Exactly. Right? So we evolve. Can we talk about 2020 for a little bit, though? And how we had to, that we took a step back. Sure. What was your initial reaction to the George Floyd scenario? Okay, so obviously uh, Chauvin, uh, Officer Chauvin, Sergeant Chauvin, um, what I was able to see uh, on video uh, was disturbing, I think, to, to anyone. Um, but I, I truly believe that to make an informed opinion on something, you know, I'd have to know all the facts uh, of the case. Um, otherwise, you know, I don't like, you know, trying to like theorize, you know, you know, a, you know, make a, an assumption about something without knowing all the facts. So initially, uh, it was disturbing with what we saw. Um, and then there was conflicting information about um, exactly how he died. And I, I think even through the trial, there was conflicting information about how he died. Uh, but one thing um, I think we can all agree on that, you know, certainly, you know, I, I found extremely disturbing was that um, after uh, Mr. Floyd um, went lifeless, uh, there was no attempt to resuscitate him. And, uh, you know, we're required to do that, you know, whether we shoot somebody or, you know, whatever we have to do, we have to render first aid. And, um, you know, clearly that wasn't done. And um, as a result, the entire nation of law enforcement is paying the penalties for uh, Sergeant Chauvin's crimes. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, it's unfair for law enforcement um, because, you know, I don't, uh, I wrongfully painted all law enforcement with a broad brush uh, back when I was angry uh, and emotional and, um, you know, and I, I understand where those people are, but, you know, right now, you know, we're paying for the sins of, of one sergeant that's in jail right now. And, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. So the reaction, on, the reaction of the nation, how, how did that affect your ability to lead your department? So, I can say that we're really fortunate here in the town of Marshfield that we have the support of the community. The, the majority of the people here in Marshfield um, are real strong supporters of ours. Um, you know, I, I just want to in interrupt for a sec, Chief. It has nothing to do with being fortunate. It has to do with the hard work and dedication right. that, and your leadership has put in. It's not just being fortunate. Well, I appreciate that, but I, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I have an absolutely tremendous, tremendous um, police department. Uh, the, the personnel that we have, and, and we can get into that if you want at some point, but, you know, there's, there's five pillars of success in any organization, and it starts with hiring the right people. And, I, you know, we can talk about that afterwards, but, um, you know, we had the George Floyd uh, vigil 
and uh, it was peaceful, and I attended it, as well as uh, all my offices uh, canceled their vacation time. Every single officer was working. Uh, there wasn't one that wasn't. Um, some of them were um, uh, placed in separate locations, just so that, uh, you know, it didn't look like an overwhelming show of police, but they were there in the event that some outside uh, people came in and wanted to hijack this peaceful event. Fortunately, it did not happen, but based on what was going on and the intelligence that we had received from state and federal agencies, it was entirely possible that they wanted to move uh, some of the uh, rioting to uh, the suburbs and create uh, chaos and disorder here. And we, uh, we planned for that and the event went well. And uh, as a result of that, there was a, another event, it was a, a back the blue event uh, that was planned by a uh, wife of a state trooper who uh, basically was seeing the difficult time that police were facing. Um, you know, uh, the police were getting frozen water bottles thrown at them, bricks. Um, they were getting shot at. The police cars were being lit on fire. The cars were being trampled, on, you know, stomped on. Windows were being broken. Cops were being yelled at and sworn at. And um, it, was a, it was a bad time for us. And in Massachusetts, we, we hadn't done anything wrong. Uh, so, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a morale booster, uh, you know, you got to remember on, on top of COVID, <laughs> we're dealing with an anti-police movement across the country. So right. she uh, she put on an event and uh, it was well attended. I, I think there was 800 or, or 800 to 1000 people uh, on one side. Uh, but then there were um, some people on the on the opposite side of the street, some of the same people that we were there to support uh, that were standing with people in pig uniforms with oink masks, um, saying that all all cops are bad cops, defund the police. And, you know, it was really, uh, it, it was really uh, troubling. It was just, it was, it was sad, you know, because, um, you know, what, what did we do, <laughs> you know? And um, it, it, it was, it was tough to get off, to get over. But uh, I think that that rally kind of recharged our batteries a little bit and showed that there was a, a silent majority of people that really do support the police. So I, I can certainly appreciate the the idea that one group of people has to pay for the very poor and, and absolutely intolerable decisions of someone else. We see this in, in medicine a lot. We certainly see this, you know, in the legal system, you know, in in, in law, like Mark Stiles. I mean, the, the jokes about lawyers, the jokes about physicians. But part of Part of, I think, what was going on with the Chauvin case was people were, were, were saying that this is revealing a part of what may be going on uh, in policing, not everywhere. So one of the questions, Mark and I were talking about this this morning, the idea that, you know, there, there are sometimes rotten apples on a tree. But I think it looked like people were saying that the whole tree was rotten and there were just some good apples, like Chief Tavares. What do you think about, about this concept? What do I think? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, when, when there was talk about the, the, the entire justice system being, you know, either racist from the top to the bottom or, you know, being corrupt from the top to the bottom. I mean, when you, when you start labeling whole, whole groups of people as all the same, um, that's troubling. That's divisive. That's separating people. That's playing people against each other. 
Um, th that's not how you unite. That's not how you come together. That's not how you heal. That's not how you solve problems. You know, we all know, or we've all had bad experiences, whether it be with a, a waiter, um, a dentist, you know, a, a school teacher. We don't judge the entire profession based on the actions of one individual person. So when people were talking about the police, the police, uh, it's almost like they were talking about a blue uniform and there weren't people inside of it. So, you know, the, 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 the problem with any, anytime there's a problem in any profession, you know, I'm of the belief that it's a people problem. It's not a profession problem. And that, that that's why it's so important to hire the right people in the first place to do the job. Our job is extremely challenging, extremely stressful. We're under the microscope. We're being second-guessed. Um, you have to worry about being sued. You have to worry about going to jail. You have to worry about you know, losing your job. Um, there's lots of situations, and I can explain some of them to you, that are basically conundrums. There's a, there are no-win situations. You know, whether you, you know, the shoot, the don't shoot, you know, the pursuing the car or don't pursue the car, going into the house after the person that has a, a Section 12 um, that a doctor has issued to saying they were a danger to themselves, or, uh, to themselves or others. I mean, these are all situations we can talk about at any time you want, either on this show or another show, but the cops are often put in situations that are no-win situations, and then, um, then they're judged, and when they're all judged the same, it's just totally wrong. Right. How, after 2020, are you all going to convince that honor student, athlete, Boy, you know, Boy Scout, Girl Scout, leader, person who wants to serve and be a police officer after watching the news play out in 2020, how are we going to convince them that this is still a great profession? I, uh, I've got to be perfectly honest with you, Mark. You know, I, I love the profession, uh, but it's, it's not what it used to be. And unfortunately, uh, I, ha I hate to say this, but I would not encourage uh, anyone um, to get into law enforcement, you know, at this stage, N not at all. It's going to be extremely difficult in, in policing, right? You want the, the best and the brightest in the business. You want, I, I think that the three qualities that come to the top of my mind are intelligent people with common sense that have compassion. So intelligent people with common sense are going to be smart enough to realize the risk versus the rewards. It's not worth it. It's, it's not, it's not worth it. We have, uh, you know, policing wasn't perfect and we always want to, you know, sharpen the saw. We always want to improve things. And there's, there's things that should have been done a long time ago that weren't done. Right. But now we have a 129 page new law that went into effect, the police reform here in Massachusetts and similar things are taking place all across the country. And what I've seen uh, across the country, you know, si giant sign-on bonuses for police officers, lowering the standard to become a police officer, uh, body art and tattoos and criminal backgrounds and drug use because they're not getting the people to sign up for the jobs that they used to have. Um, here, so if, once you lower the standard, and once here we're looking for the best and the brightest and they're smart enough that, hey, this isn't worth it, then you're going to get less than an ideal candidate. And when you have less than an ideal candidate taking the job, it doesn't matter what types of policies and procedures you have in place, what type of training you give them. They, they, they're going to potentially deviate. You're going to have less than ideal results. And that is going to be an extreme detriment. So things, in my opinion, aren't going to get any better, but they potentially will get a whole lot worse. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm really passionate about that belief. 
I mean, it, it, it comes back to what you're saying. It's, it's the importance of hiring one of the first pillars. I mean, you have to, so, you, so you're anticipating a spiral that's just going to continue sort of reinforcing this distorted image of police not being who we want them to be, police being corrupt, police being, as we would say, limbic and impulsive as opposed to really thoughtful. That's you know, the we, risk we're at. That's exactly right. You know, we had over 70 police chiefs retire last year. So wow. people that are close to retirement age have had enough. Um, people that aren't close, unfortunately, they're going to be afraid uh, to do anything proactively, and, and they may remain idle. Okay, so there's, I believe some of the stuff that was thought to be done to make things better is going to have the ex actually the opposite effect. Now, don't get me wrong. There should have been some things that were done to correct this a long time ago. And some things absolutely needed to be done. You know, certification is, 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 a, is a big one and decertification. And, but uh, I think that uh, through time, you're going to see um, some results that people hadn't thought through. And I think it'll affect policing negatively. We're, already, we're actually already seeing in the USA Today uh, why violent crime surged after police across America retreated. And, um, you know, even the most dedicated officers who now face a greater risk of being sued, fired, or prosecuted for doing their jobs feel pressure to pull back. Um, it, it, the violent crime has gone up. It's just been, it's been terrible. So it's, it's like a, the perfect storm. There's all this anger in the United States, not just about police, but because some of it is directed at police, the police have to withdraw, leaving the field open for more of these angry people. You know, uh, Dr. Joe, uh, the, okay, that was the cleanest that just came in. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Joe, I, uh, I had to go to a wake-up in Jamaica Plain yesterday, and I waited in an hour in traffic in Boston because there was uh, some protests going on. And I feel bad because I'm, I'm sure the Boston police were told to let just let them do it. They had the roads completely blocked and, and mm -hmm. the police were just directing traffic around them. And it, it, it had traffic so messed up. And I was over an hour late sitting in that traffic. I was just it's just, you know, things things were out of control. And uh, I'm afraid that they're going to continue to be, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not um, I'm not optimistic that things are going to get any better. Hmm. That's powerful coming from you, Chief DeVaris. And I, th I think we need to take heed. I know about this idea of lumping. I call it lumping. Um, many years ago, I was I was covering inpatient psychiatry for another psychiatrist. And then there was this gentleman who was definitely getting revved up. Uh, and I go in to talk with him, and he immediately says, you're just here to give me an injection of Haldol. And I said to him, are you a lumper? He said, what do you mean? I said, you, you've never met me. You're just, you're lumping me in with maybe all the other psychiatrists who have come and given you shots of Haldol. He said, you're not going to give me a shot? I said, absolutely not. Do you, do you need one? He said, no. I said, well, then let's just talk about it. But, but it is this idea that there is this propensity in humans to just stick somebody in a group 
and they and they just lump them in without doing what we're talking about here on the Dr. Joe show, the I am. So the best this person could do was this. I don't have to like it, but I want to understand it. And to then have to, to then apply that to every single other person who has brown eyes or green eyes or blue eyes or wears a blue uniform. That's unfortunately part of the brain we have, but we don't need to do that. And that's why we're looking to people like you, Chief Tavares, not to put you on the spot, to, to show what it can be like. I mean, Marshfield is amazing. I, I would like to think that, that people who want to go into the police service will come to Marshfield. Well, you know, thank you. Uh, you know, I graduated from the FBI National Academy down in Quantico, Virginia, and I met police officers from um, every state in the United States, and I continue to go to conferences and, and training uh, workshops with them. And uh, I've been involved in, you know, I've uh, been, you know, president of uh, Southeastern Mass Police Chiefs and Plymouth County Police Chiefs, and I'm on the Legislative Committee for Mass Chiefs, and I'm, a, I'm on a bunch of different organizations. So what I'm getting at is that I know police chiefs and police leaders and police officers from, you know, not just here in Massachusetts, but all over the country. And I know some really, really good people that do some really, really good work. And that is the vast majority of the officers out there. Now, from time to time, there are issues that pop up in policing where you do have the bad apples. And I would, I would say that, um, you know, I think uh, the USA Today published something um, last week about on, on average, the police do 20 million traffic stops a year. There's over 17,000 law enforcement agencies in our country. So from time to time, one may go sour for one reason or another. Um, mm. And, uh, but when you look at the percentages, they're far and few between. It's like an airline disaster, right? So, you know, it, flying is a really safe mode of traveling. Uh, but from time to time, there, there is a, a plane that goes down and it's all over the news and it's a big deal. But that's not representative of what's happening in the sky every day. So, Mark, go ahead. I'm fascinated at the future of, of what's happening because, you know, you start, you, you start to really paint that picture when, you know, everyone was defund, abolished, and it's this self-fulfilling prophecy that you're, you're setting us up for anarchy, right? right? I mean, how do we, how do we change the tide on this? I mean, I, I know the media is not going to help. Yeah, so every state is doing something different. You know, um, uh, here in Ma Massachusetts, I, I, you know, we were above the curve. We, we, were, we were on the cutting edge before any of this happened. We were firm believers in, in the concepts of the uh, President's Task Force on 21st Century Policing, which is building trust and legitimacy, policy and oversight, technology and social media, community policing and crime reduction, training and education, and officer wellness and safety. On top of that, uh, I think you've heard of the Eight Can't Wait campaign. We had been doing primarily all of that, which being uh, chokeholds and strangleholds. We were never trained in doing any of that. Um, you know, requiring de-escalation, we did that every call we went on. Requiring warnings uh, before shooting, uh, whenever, whenever possible, fe you know, feasibly possible. Um, exhausting all other means before shooting, of course. You know, a duty to intervene. If we see a crime being committed, we have to do that already. Uh, ban shooting at motor vehicles, only in limited circumstances would that be done. Uh, requiring the use of a force continuum, which we've always done, and uh, requiring comprehensive reporting, which is, which is what we do. And, um, 
you know, we, we've we've been really uh, ahead of all of this before the police reform came in, and that's here in Massachusetts. You know, I, I, I could uh, I could go on and on and on, but, uh, you know, we, we do reviews of our use of force, and, and I can explain to you how that works. I can expl I can tell you from, you know, the time of day, day of week, what officer, what the suspect did, um, what color they were, what sex they were. Um, I, can, I can give you all that information because we analyze that and we look at that all the time. Look, I, I can appreciate, and I'm not dismissing at all, the pessimism and the discouragement. Um, but people will look to you also for leadership and for inspiration and for saying, okay, here's the situation that is terrible, but here's how we make something from it. Here's what we learn. Where do we go with this, Chief? What do we learn? How, how will you take us, I hate to put it on you, but if anyone can take us out of this and, and reframe uh, the way police are seen, I, I, think, I believe in you. I think what has to happen is first the, the labeling theory needs to go away. Okay, you know, I, I sat, uh, Doctor Doctor Joe. You know, you and I text when I was watching. I, I believe uh, the riots that were going on in Boston or in Brockton. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I, I was beyond you know, sad about, about what was going on. I, I, it was really disturbing to me. And, you know, I, I just, when people are emotional and angry, you know, and, and you're not thinking clearly, I just, I just would like to be able to, some people are so, so firm on their opinions of things, I, you're not going to sway them. Okay, so training and education are extremely important. Um, the five pillars of success uh, in any organization I talked about was uh, hiring the right people, right? That's the most important step in the whole process. Uh, training them uh, properly, having the right policies and procedures in, in place for them, um, having the right supervision, uh, you know, not just the right offices, but making the right people, promoting the right people to be supervisors, but then uh, holding them accountable by having discipline with, in, in both positive and negative discipline. When they deviate from those policies and procedures and those rules and regulations, there's consequences to that. Um, that's how you build it. But where do we go right now? I think everybody needs to just calm down, relax, and understand that um, we're not all bad people. Most of us are really good people trying to do the right thing that are putting our lives on the line every day for other people. And, and what working, about? We're the people that are working weekends, nights, and holidays. We're out there in the middle of the night, in the middle of the cold, uh, when the wind's blowing, uh, when everybody's sleeping, ensuring everyone's safety, or running into a, a dangerous situation when everybody's running away. We're the people that you can count on when you need them. And, and I think and, the fact that 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 we now have uh, a sergeant who has been found guilty and who has, has been called out by other police saying, this is not what we do. This is right. not policing. Right. Mark, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I mean, because, you know, you talk about going into the scene and the people are, you know, running away. And as fewer and fewer good people want to be police officers, you know, that's a, that's a scary, scary future. 
to think about the, if there's fewer police officers willing to help. I know that people talked about defunding the police and immediately I thought, you know, they chose the wrong verbiage there. They could have easily said, you know, uh, reform or restructure or, or something other than abolish, defund. And, you know, there's these proactive type of early intervention programs, but when things happen, people call 911. If 911 doesn't answer, then what? Right. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. You know, the, the, the Dr. Joe, the, the thing with the uh, Chauvin uh, conviction. So now you've heard that there's a witness that wasn't truthful, uh, uh, you know, in his uh, statements to the courts and um, along with a, a politician that potentially was inciting violence if he wasn't found guilty, which both of those things, I believe, his uh, attorney is going to file for an appeal. So that's going to start um, a stressful situation all over again. In addition to three other officers going to trial. And uh, one of them, at least one of them, was only uh, on the job a very, very short period of time. And uh, Chauvin was supposed to be his training officer. Right. So, you know, I don't know the outcome, but I just know that this isn't over yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a conundrum. And yet, there's still the opportunity to say we're taking responsibility for the people who've done wrong things in that police but that doesn't mean that we're going to condone it and we're going to be training people not to do that i'm going to give you another sort of example from my world in psychiatry um one of when i became a medical director of a particular hospital that was being sanctioned by the Department of Mental Health. I found that all the people, the new hires, the first thing they were being taught was how to restrain a patient. Mm -hmm. And then people were astonished that we had so many restraints. And the first thing that I did when I became medical director was change that completely and show people how they respect patients, not restrain them. And and I know that, that here in Marshfield that there's that respect that is exuded from the police to the community. And that's why it comes back, that the community then respects our police. All I'm saying is that if it can happen here in Marshfield, it's a model that can happen anywhere. How do we get you out there, Chief, to, to, to show that people can, can do this? I understand the discouragement. I understand that it's going to be uphill, but people believe in you. Well, I, I would have uh, liked to have been, uh, had a seat at the table when the police reform was going through, hmm. uh, because I believe that, you know, I can be really objective with this, having been on both sides. Right. Mm -hmm. If anybody should hate the police, it should be me. Right. Right. And I, right. And I, and I don't. I'm a staunch uh, advocate of this. Um, right. So I think a lot of conversations need to be taken need to be uh take place i think um training on both sides need to take place mm -hmm. i was fortunate that uh our board of selectmen and our town administrator actually went through uh some scenarios with us uh this weekend where we had uh had to use de-escalation techniques and uh, mental health uh crisis uh assistance 
uh, and they were put in situations that were shoot, don't shoot situations. I think that a, a lot of people that aren't police officers, um, you know, their eyes could be opened when they see, you know, the type of uh, work that we do, um, how challenging it is and how dangerous it can be. And um, I mean, I thought it was, it was great for, uh, for our local leaders to do it. They thought it was a great experience for them. I think the, the more we can um, share those experiences with other people, um, I think the better. So I, I think this, this training that can be done on, on, on all ends of this, but um, everybody needs to just take it down a notch and mm -hmm. sit down and, and, and talk about it and come up with a plan for it. And right. it's not gonna happen overnight. Right, and, and this, is, this is exactly what the I am approach is all about. You don't have to like something, but you wanna look again at why it's happening. Let's look again at why this is happening without judging it. And think about the words, look again, you reverse them again, look, respect. Let's respect what's going on so that we can understand it. Respect leads to value, value leads to trust. Without that respect value, you're not gonna be able to trust each other to have that conversation, the difficult conversation that it will be. But I really do believe that we can do this. Um, we just need to be able to step back. And one of the things I say is we got to keep it frontal, not go limbic. Got to keep it frontal, not go limbic. Chief, the, the IM has two basic rules. Because the four domains interconnect, the home, the social, the biological, and the IC, how I see myself, how I think other people see me, small changes can have big effects. What small change can you recommend to our listeners so that we can move towards a more unified view and a more productive view of police? What small change? Yeah, what small I, change? I, I believe that the, the majority of viewers understand what's going on here and, and understand um, that, you know, the police as, as, a, as a whole uh, is under attack um, and, and probably believe that, you know, that's not accurate. <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's a it's a, a smaller group that is painting the picture that the police are doing the wrong things. So th those are the people uh, that I I just ask that um, they not label people mm -hmm. and understand that we're all individuals. Yeah, really, that's a yeah. small change right there. And yeah. if you want to unite people and you want to heal, the more you continue to label a large group of people. Uh, by the, you know, by the actions of one labeling us right. all the same is it, right. not right. And what's remarkable is many of the people doing the labeling have been labeled themselves. They know exactly what it is to be lumped into a group. The second rule of the I am, you control no one, you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. Chief Tavares, what kind of influence do you want to be? I want to be a positive influence, uh, you know, uh, at home in my personal life as a father, as a husband. Uh, I want to be a positive influence uh, as a leader here in our community and a leader in, in our police force, the police department, as uh, we talked about earlier. <laughs> um, I, I want to be a, a positive influence. I, I want people to feel safe. I want them to feel welcome to come to our police station, to come to our town. Um, I just want to, I want to be, uh, I guess, just overall uh, a positive influence in, in you know, shown in the best possible light of, of what good police officers are. I mean, we're, 
we're 26 years without a union grievance. We've got nobody out injured on duty. We've got no abuse of sick time. We don't have any MCAD complaints. We don't have any ethics complaints. The, the list goes on. <laughs> Great. So I just want to wrap it up. And, and it's a terrible pun, but just because you're men in blue doesn't mean you need to be blue over this. We're going to help. We're going to get this done. Liz Raven, thanks so much for hosting the Dr. Joe show tonight. Mark, My pleasure. Tom, Thank you. See you next week, Chief. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Here. Appreciate it. Night, everybody.